0: You have your Bibles this morning open to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We conclude our study on spiritual gifts Uh, today. I want to look at two gifts as we close out this series, the gift of evangelist and the gift of pastor-teacher. In Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, Paul tells us about these two uh, gifts that were given to the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastor teachers. And then he goes ahead and tells us the purpose of these people, these evangelists, these pastor teachers for the church. He says, "...it was given to the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ." Now, thus far, we've looked at the serving gifts, those being leadership, service, uh, giving, faith, mercy, discernment. Then we looked at the speaking gifts, that being prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, teaching, and exhortation. Now we want to look at the two fundamental gifts. They're called the fundamental gifts that God has given to the church. These are two positions, you know, that, that God gave, that being, evangelist and pastor teachers. And we're going to start today just by looking at the evangelist and then we'll look at the pastor teacher. Now, when we think of evangelist, you know, we think of most people think of someone who travels around preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some say the origin of the word, I'm talking about the origin of the word evangelist comes from the word soap sellers. Now think about that. They say that's where the word evangelist comes from, from the word soap sellers. Or, you know, these were men, if you'll remember, you know, used to go around and they would market their soap. And the way they would market their soap is they would come into a town. They'd find the dirtiest guy they could find in town. They would drag him on the corner of the street. They would take and they would wash him down and they would clean him up. And then they would present to the people this guy and they would say, this is what my product can do. Now stop and think about that. That's where the idea of the word evangelist comes from. From soap sellers who would come into town and clean up a person and then say, this is what my product can do. So... The reason that they, the evangelist is that away is stop and think about this. They go around and they travel and they preach the gospel. And again, they're referred to as soap sellers sometimes because what they are doing, rather than cleaning up the outside of people, they are cleaning up the inside of people and they say, This is what my product can do. What is their product is the Word of God. They say the Word of God can clean up the inside of any individual. Now, this term only appears three times within, you know, the New Testament. So let's take a look at the role of the evangelist. Now, to really understand the role of the evangelist, we need to follow one around. So turn to Acts chapter 8. Let's follow uh, uh, an evangelist around and we'll see exactly what a New Testament evangelist does or did back in those days also. So in Acts chapter 21, go ahead and turn to Acts 8. But in Acts chapter 21, verse 8, we're told that Philip was an evangelist. You know, uh, that's what Acts tells us, that Philip was an evangelist. So I want to follow Philip around for just a moment in Acts chapter 8 so that we can see exactly what an evangelist does. First of all, we see that an evangelist preaches the word of God. Look at verse 4 in Acts chapter 8. "'Therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching uh, the word.'" The word they preached, folks, was the word of God. It's the same word of God that we have today. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which brings about salvation to a lost and dying world. And then we can see in verse 5, an evangelist desires to win people to Christ. Folks, that is the heart of an evangelist, to win people to Christ. It says, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. And let me tell you, when an evangelist Preaches an evangelist is preaching the word of God, okay? It is their passion, it is their heart, and they preach the word of God. Now go down to verse 30 in Acts chapter 8. We see that an evangelist will speak uh, one person. Or they will preach to a thousand and they will do so with the same zeal. In other words, it doesn't matter what the size of their audience is. They're going to preach with zeal. They're going to preach with passion because the the desire within them is to see people come to Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him. Now, we know that this is that Ethiopian unit that, you know, God directed Philip to out in the desert. And Philip ran to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand thou what thou readest? And this eunuch said to him, How can I except some man guide me? Wrong thing to say to an evangelist. I need somebody to guide me because he's fixing to guide you, okay? Okay. He says, how can I accept someone guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now, the place of the scripture which he read was this. And, you know, in verse 32, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear. So he opened not his mouth. Now, who's, who do you think the word of God is speaking about there? Jesus Christ. Boy, he opened the door. He opened the door. Okay, here's what he says In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Look, I, I pray thee, to whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself? Or some other man. Now look at this. This is what an evangelist loves. And Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Let me tell you, you open the door for an evangelist and he's going to preach to you Jesus. You shut the door to an evangelist, he's going to kick it open and preach to you jesus christ that is the passion of an evangelist is to preach the word of god to an evangelist again the number of people don't matter the only thing that matters is that the word of god is being preached and as a, wor- a result of the word of god being preached people are coming to know jesus christ as their personal savior the last thing we see there in verse 40 an evangelist is a traveling preacher in other words he is one that just travels around from place to place to place and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see that there in verse 40. And Philip was found in Asitus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Yes, that evangelist loves going from place to place preaching the Word of God. And again, with evangelists, it's all about preaching that Word of God, whether it's one person like the eunuch out in, in, in the desert or whether it's a thousand people like in the cities of Caesarea or some of these other. His goal is to see people come to Christ and he's willing to travel wherever the Spirit of God will take him to preach the Word of God. You see, the evangelist you know, is given to the church and energized for the purpose of of winning people to the Christ, winning people to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what the evangelist is given to the church for. And this is the reason you see, you know, many times you see the energy and the preaching of evangelists is different than that of the preaching of a pastor teacher. You know, an evangelist is usually, oh boy, he just, you know, Boom, he just throws it out there. He stomps and he snorts and he rips off his clothes, rips off his tie. Let me tell you, he's sweating by the time he gets through. You know, where a pastor teacher is not quite that to that point, okay? We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Where the evangelist, he gets excited selling his soap, okay? It's just exciting to him to sell his soap. You know, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ in hopes of seeing lost people saved where the pastor-teacher is more geared to teaching the Word of God and hoping, you know, that when people get saved, he can bring them to maturity in Christ. You know, I guess one of the hardest uh, transitions for me, if I can just put it that way. Before I started pastoring, I'd done evangelistic work. You know, I, 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 I was an evangelist, you might say. You know, and I could stomp and snort and... Rip off clothes with the best of them, you know. Not that I was that good, but I I knew how to do that. I watched them good enough. But, you know, anyway, but the the biggest thing for me, and when I first started pastoring, I still wanted that evangelistic zeal and hellfire and brimstone and seeing people saved. And then the Spirit of God spoke to me after a couple years of pastoring and said, you're not an evangelist, you're a pastor teacher now. And I had to shift gears, so to speak. And, and, and refocus my ministry. Because now it wasn't just about, just about seeing people saved. It's still about seeing people saved. But now it was geared to seeing that people who are saved come to maturity in Christ. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a moment. So let's look at the specific purpose of an evangelist. Okay? What does an evangelist do? His primary task is to preach the gospel. Philip is an example of an evangelist who preached in brand new territory, you know, that was not named. Uh, He would start churches. Timothy is an example of an evangelist who established uh, assemblies and mobilized people to evangelize their city. You see, the role of an evangelist is not one of long term. That's the difference in an evangelist and a pastor teacher. The evangelist, his, his role is not that of long term where he brings people to maturity. His main concern is seeing people saved and if necessary, begin a church there, get the church going and move on to somewhere else, doing it again and again and again. Now, some Some of you may have been in a church or may have seen churches, okay? Let me give you an example. Where they called in a new preacher, and a new preacher came in, and boy, people were just being saved. People saved, 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 you know? And the church began to grow, and the excitement just filled the church building. But then after a year, a couple of years maybe, you know, things started fizzling out. You ever seen a church that way? I mean, it was just growing and people being saved and excitement within the church. We've never seen this excitement before. But it, it, it's just growing and growing. And then all of a sudden it starts to plateau. And then all of a sudden it begins to go downhill. Well, see mo- many times what happens here. In many cases, the church has called an evangelist as pastor, and though they're seeing very many, you know, many many people saved, those new converts are not coming to maturity in Christ. And what you wind up with is a church full of spiritual babies. Now, if you're not for sure what spiritual babies the problems they can cause, it may shock you. If you're not for sure, why don't you come to my house? I'm going to put you in the room with two two two-year-olds and one one one-year-old and let you see the problems that can happen with two-year-olds together. Okay? And it's the same way spiritually. If you have a church full of spiritual two-year-olds, listen to me, you're going to have a problem. There is going to be problems the evangelist can fill it up boy he can fill the church up with, with with people being saved but he's not equipped to bring those people to maturity so what happens is the church began to grow it began to grow new converts. everything excitement okay but then all of a sudden problems begin to exist because that evangelist again is not equipped to bring those people to maturity Okay, probably what would have been best is for him to stay a couple of months, six months, but then move to new territory and let that church bring in a pastor teacher in order to help bring this, these new converts to maturity for a long term basis. You see, if an evangelist is in the role of a pastor teacher, things are going to grow go great for a while. Many people are going to be saved, but due to a lack of maturity in those new believers, problems are going to break out like you've never seen before. Because, again, the evangelist is not equipped to bring people to maturity. Why? Because his goal is just getting people saved, get them saved, get them saved, get them saved. But he, not a, he don't have that ability to bring them to maturity in Christ you see, the evangelist serves two purposes. First of all, planning churches. Follow the life of Philip and you'll see him going in, winning souls, establishing churches. Not only to do this, but also preaching the word. That's what he does. The work of an evangelist can be carried on in one place where Christ is not named. Or it can be carried on in places where there's uh, an established group of believers trying to win a city. To Jesus Christ. You see evangelism is a ministry of preaching the gospel. Teaching the word. And winning people to Christ. That's what evangelism is all about. God gave to the early church. Some apostles. Some prophets. Some evangelists. And some pastor teachers. And he says for the perfecting of the saints. To do the work of ministry. So today the evangelist and the pastor teacher must work hand in hand. In order for. People to be saved and people to grow to maturity. Now let's look at the pastor teacher. Now, throughout this study, we stress the importance of exercising the gift that God has given you and let others exercise the gift they have given that God has given them. Don't you try to do what they do. In other words, don't look and say, boy. Boy, that gift of evangelism, that's exciting, you know. I think I could get up there and preach like him. And if God has not gifted you in that, don't try to do it. Same way with pastor-teacher. You know, if you say, that's exciting, boy, Brother Gene, the way he gets up there and teaches, you want my jacket? I'll give it to you. It's not going to be long until you say, oh, have have I made a mistake here, okay? Do the spiritual gift God has given you. And let others exercise the spiritual gift God has given them. Too many times we desire the gift of others and we neglect that of our own. You know, you're only equipped with the abilities to carry out the gift that God has given you. And when we try to exercise the gift of others, trust me, you will fail. You will fail. Now, the ability of one with the gift of evangelists lies in the form of preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And many evangelists do harm to their ministry and the church when they try to take on the role of pastor-teacher. Where the evangelist is equipped with the ability to go and preach and teach the gospel and have many people come to know Christ, again, I'll stress again, he's limited in his ability to bring those new converts to maturity. It's not going to be long until those little children that's referred to in 1 John begin causing more problems than the evangelist is able to handle, whereas a pastor-teacher plays a different role. His ministry, the role of the pastor-teacher, is one of long-range maturity among believers, more than short-range results of professions of faith. So the pastor-teacher, his, his responsibility is long-term. Um, When this church called me, it'll be 20 years in February. That's just hard to believe y'all put up with me, you know, that long. But when this church called me, yeah, I know. Amen. Okay. But when this church called me, it was me and one other person, okay, that they was looking at. And the reason they called me over the other person is because I'd only pastored one other church, but I'd been there 12 and a half years. And they was wanting somebody that was going to come in here and not leave within two or three years. In fact, the other guy, that was his, you know, the way he had done, you know, three years, he would be at a church and leave. They wanted someone long-range, okay? And my history, of course, it was just one church, you know, but, you know, my history of want was one of long-range. And, folks, that's the way it has to be with a pastor teacher because he's there long term, not like the evangelist that just comes in, gets people saved, and move on. Okay? He's there long term to take those that are saved and begin to mature them, bring them to maturity. So, let's talk here about the the pastor teacher now. Okay? Now, the definition. Though most translations say some pastors and some teachers, probably whatever translation you're looking at now says that, some pastors and some teachers, the literal translation is pastor slash teacher, okay? And the reason being is because in the Greek, the word and, where it says pastors and teachers, it says it's a conjunction that means even, also, or namely. In other words, pastor, uh, you know, even, Teacher. Pastor, also teacher. Pastor, namely, teacher. So in the original, that's the way it, it, it actually is, is printed there, the way it's actually said. In the lexicon, it reads a shepherd and instructor. So you see, it's putting the two together, not separating the two. Therefore, it's pastor, teacher. This is the only office, uh, this is only one office, not pastors and teachers, but pastor, teacher, or teaching pastors. You see, a pastor is someone who the Lord raises up to care for the total well-being of his flock. The total well-being of his flock. So the pastor teacher has the responsibility of not only teaching the flock the word of God. Okay? And that's where it was, it was difficult for me to go from preaching to teaching. Okay, I had had a problem with that for a while, but it's the pastor's responsibility to not only teach the flock the word of God, but also to guide the flock, to care for the flock, to oversee the flock and to be an example to the flock in which God has entrusted him over. The evangelists don't have those responsibilities. His only responsibility is to come in and lay out the word of God and then move on. But now the pastor-teacher comes in, and he has all of these responsibilities. You know, he's to take them and bring them into greener pastures in order for them to become mature sheep within the fold equipped for ministry. Now, what's the responsibility of the pastor-teacher? First of all, it's a caring ministry. To show care involves many different things. You know, some feel you show a child, (laughs) some feel especially nowadays. When I was growing up, and most of you growing up, it wasn't this way. But nowadays, many people, you know, they think that, well, you show a child that you care for them by giving them the things that they want. Ain't that today's society? This is how I show a child I care. This is how I show a child I love them. I give them the things they want. Can I tell you something? All that results in is you raising a brat that nobody wants to be around. You hear what I'm saying? All that causes is you raising a brat nobody wants to be around. Here's the toughie. If a pastor teacher is just giving his congregation what they want, it's the same thing. You're growing a bunch of brats that ain't even going to get along with one another. And there's always going to be fighting and warring within that congregation. Showing your care. Listen to me. Showing your care is doing what is best for them. Whether it's your children or the congregation. Okay? And the same is true within the church. The pastor is showing he cares for his people when he first applies true doctrine. When he applies true biblical doctrine. You see, uh, he he is given to the church to minister to its practical needs by applying true doctrine, not just what they want to hear. Are you with me? Not just giving them what they want to hear, but applying true biblical doctrine. Paul warned Timothy that in the last days, one of the dangers would be people coming to church with itching ears, just wanting to hear the good things, and many pastors would give in to those itching ears with a false watered-down gospel. Look, I love the way the New Century version puts 2 uh, Timothy 4, 3-5. Look, look, look how New Century does it. Because the time will come, when people will not listen to true teaching, but will find many more teachers who please them by saying the things they want to hear. They will, they will stop listening to the truth. This is in the last days, Paul is saying. You think we're in the last days? They will stop listening to the truth and will begin following false stories. But you... Look at here. Paul giving Timothy some advice here. But you should stop controlling. Or you should should control yourself at all times. Accept troubles. Do the work of telling the good news and complete all the duties of a servant of God. In other words, a pastor teacher has to just continue to preach the true gospel, even though it might not be popular, even though they don't want to hear, but it's what's best for the people that matter. You see, the ultimate goal of God giving to the church a pastor-teacher is found in our scripture text that we started with for the perfecting of the saints. Now, what does that mean for the perfecting of the saints? My job as your pastor-teacher, okay, is to bring you perfected to the saint, to to to, to God. Now, that simply means to bring you to maturity. Excuse me for the perfecting of the saints, in other words, to bring to maturity, for the work of ministry, in other words, I need to get you, my responsibility is to get you to the point of maturity that you do the ministry within the church. How do you do the ministry within the church? By exercising your spiritual gift? Why? For the edifying, that is the spiritual advancement of the body of Christ. Look, a pastor who truly loves and cares for his people will bring before them true doctrine, and not that that just simply makes them feel comfortable in their sin, rather to grow them to maturity in Christ so that they will begin to do the work of ministry and edifying one another within the body of Christ. So what is the pastor teacher he is, a, he, he, he is a shepherding the church, he's guarding the church, he's defending the church, he's warning the church, he's challenging the church, he's instructing the church, he's building walls around the church for protection, and he's motivating the people on a long-term basis. That's the pastor teacher. You see, it's completely opposite than the evangelist, is it not? You say, is this not the duties of a shepherd in the field? You go back to the shepherds in the field. The same is true for a shepherd in the church. If a pastor truly loves his flock, he's going to apply biblical doctrine even when it's not popular and even when it may hurt. Even if he knows what I'm preaching is going to hit Brother Danny right between the eyes. you got to aim. You know, no, you'll never aim there. But look here, the thing is, and that's a problem in a small church like ours, is sometimes you know the weaknesses of people. But can I tell you something? I'll never water down the message that God has given me just because I know it's going to hit somebody out there. So if you come here and it hits you, don't think I'm picking on you. I'm simply giving you the word of God. And the reason for that is because that's what's best for you. That's what's best for you. In hopes that the Holy Spirit will begin to move upon you to show you in order to grow spiritually, you're going to have to get this out of your life. The most difficult thing for most people to do is realize that the pastor must make his decisions based on what's best for the church as a whole and not what's best for individual people. You see, the decisions a pastor-teacher has to make, the decisions that a pastor-teacher does make has got to be what's best for the church as a whole, not for individual people. You, you following me there? Sometimes that hurts individual people's feelings. But you got to do what's best for the congregation as a whole. Feeding and protecting. So he's called to... to, to Uh, as a teaching pastor, so he does two things. He pastors and he teaches. Pastor means to protect the flock. You see, one duty of the shepherd while looking after the sheep was protect them from wolves that sought to kill them. A pastor will do no less. He's going to protect his flock from any type of harm, no matter what the cost, whether it be false doctrine or whether it be, you know, wolves in sheep's clothes. On Wednesday nights, we've been in the book of Jude, and man, it's just uh, you know, one after another, you know, talking about certain men, certain men, certain men who creep into the church to, to destroy the church. But see, one role of the pastor teacher is to protect the flock from certain men. The other thing is to teach. That simply means to feed the flock. <laughs> we, uh, let's see, we're, Tom and Dwayne's out in the foyer, I guess but we was in the uh in the store the other day and you know it was wednesday actually and you know i said uh, well i guess i better get up there and get y'all's meal prepared for tonight you know and one of the men that was in there you know not a member of the church he looked at me he said what are you cooking for him? i said jude he looked at me he said jude what what is that i said it's jude he said is that squirrel i Tom Tom and Dwayne will tell you. I said, no, it's not squirrel, it's Jude. You've never ate Jude? No, I don't guess so, you know. I, I, I don't think we ever told him what Jude was, but anyway. But that's the pastor's responsibility, is to prepare for you a meal, to prepare for you. In other words, to feed you, to feed you. Turn to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20. An example of this is found here in Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 28, you know, where Paul's message is to feed and warn, teach and warn. Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 28. Scripture says this, take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock. Over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. You see, the pastor teacher is to feed the church, feed the flock, feed the people. Listen, Jesus Christ paid for your sins with his blood on the cross. And my responsibility, the responsibility of the pastor teacher is to make sure that that person don't die spiritually, but that they grow spiritually. In other words, I'm supposed to feed you so that you will grow and mature in that salvation that God has given you as a result of the death of of Jesus Christ on the cross. Look at your verse 29. For I know this, he says, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, Also of your own self shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn you, everyone, night and day with tears. Look, the life of a pastor teacher, sometimes called an elder, sometimes called an overseer, is to to be a teaching shepherd. He stays in one place long term, okay, in order to mature the people. He protects the flock. He builds safeguards for them. He warns them. And yes, verse 30 says he's going to be talked about. Trust me, I have been talked about, okay, because a pastor teacher is going to be talked about. You know, uh, know, he's going to have false things said about him. But because God has gifted him with this gift, he's able to persevere. Because God has gifted him with the ability to persevere. Listen, that evangelist is not gifted in that area. So let me just conclude with this thought: Dallas don't play till three thirty, so we're okay. Okay. Christ gave to the church apostles and prophets for foundation, revelation, and confirmation, in order to establish this, the the early church with sound doctrine. Then he gives to the church, the early church, and right up to today, evangelists and pastor teachers for evangelism, for edification, for exhortation, and equipping the church for effective ministry. There's two things I believe you're going to see in churches that are thriving and growing. First thing is a history of long-term pastorates. You're going to see that. Second thing is those pastors are pastor teachers, teaching the people, feeding the people, growing the people to maturity. You know, within many East Texas Baptist churches, historically, you know, pastors have been judged on their ability to how loud they can preach, how long they can preach, how much they can stomp and snort by how much, you know, when they're preaching that hellfire and brimstone, the people out, in the audience begins to sweat because it's so hot. That's how historically preachers have been judged in East Texas, by how many clothes they can rip off by the time they're through preaching. Look, it doesn't matter what they've said as long as it was loud and as long as it was wet preaching, you know, but it don't matter what they said. It was just good. But listen to me. Most members desire, and this is sad, but most members desire evangelistic messages. And they're not really interested in in expository messages, expository preaching for the purpose of growing. That's just a fact. Most would just want to hear the evangelistic hellfire and brimstone. You will never, listen to me, listen to me. You will never grow to maturity in Christ with hellfire and brimstone. Hellfire and brimstone is to get you saved. But what happens after that? It will never bring you to maturity in Christ. And that's where the pastor-teacher, long-term, long-range, comes in. With expository preaching, bringing you to maturity in Christ so that you can begin growing in Him. But church is to mature. It's going to be a result of that pastor-teacher teaching what God's Word has to say, not evangelistic preaching. You see, the pastor-teacher he guides, he oversees, he cares for, and in an example to the flock on a long-term basis. Now, let me close with my pledge to you, Fairview Baptist Church. I'm going to close this entire series out with this. I'm going to give you my pledge, and then I'm going to ask those who want to, those who will carry out a pledge that I want to challenge you to give to me. Okay? In other words, I feel it's only, uh, only right if I pledge something to you that you pledge something back to me. Okay? Here's my pledge to you, Fairview Baptist Church. As your pap- pastor teacher, I pledge to you the flock that God has entrusted to me to do my best to lead you to maturity as children of God by leading you to greener pastures, By protecting you from false doctrine and by protecting you from wolves and sheep's clothing. Now, if I'm going to pledge that to you, again, I think you need to pledge something to me. In other words, if I'm going to make this promise to you, I would ask that you make this promise to me. If you're sincere and if you want to, if you don't, that's that's fine. But here's what I'd like for you to pledge to me, okay? My pledge to you, my pastor. As my gift is revealed unto me, we've spent nine weeks on spiritual gifts. As my gift is revealed to me, I pledge, okay, to begin putting it to work within this church That in order that God has called me to be a part of So working together as leader and laity, we can spread the word of God and advance his kingdom within this community which God has placed us in. Now, I don't think that that's too much to ask of a congregation. To just say, Pastor, I pledge to you that I'm going to begin putting my spiritual gift to work within this church. That I am going to do what God has called me to do. So that working together, laity and leader, we can spread the word of God to this community that God has placed us in. Are you willing to make that pledge this morning? If so, I want you to go to God. Either where you're at or at this altar. And that you would make this pledge to God also. That you're going to begin doing what God has called you to do. You're going to begin exercising that spiritual gift that God has given you. Oh, it's been up on the shelf in your closet. You're Probably going to have to blow the dust off of it, but that's okay. If you need to, just get an air compressor if it's got that much dust and blow the sucker off, okay? But that you're going to begin doing what God has called you to do. Listen to me, folks. Time is short. Time is short, and it's about time the Church of Jesus Christ begin doing what He's placed us here to do. Let's pray.